The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. So last week, I had a lot to say about COVID and the political response in Boston to COVID. So I'm going to continue to talk about that. I'm going to piggyback off that, though, to talk about other issues that aren't uh, completely unrelated. So just a recap uh, for people. Uh, Some people might not have been following as closely what has been occurring in Boston, or even if, you know, you live in Boston, uh, you know, we're talking about someone who lives in Boston, a listener, um, and and just doesn't really quite know what's going on because there's just been so much blah, blah, blah. There's been just so much confusion. And and by the way, um, I will reiterate that that has been a huge problem throughout this pandemic, that there has not been any kind of coherent messaging. So without coherent messaging, without cooperation between the different levels of government, the different actors uh, that, that work on different levels of government, it, it's, it's amazing to me that people were able to somehow survive and navigate what really has been uh, just really a horror because, you know, people, people, they, they've had to learn how to live differently. People's livelihoods have been affected, adversely impacted more than once. Uh, there've been instances where people Uh, to speak to that, they've been able to come back and maybe kind of catch up a little, only to be knocked back down again. And then there are still other people that have just, this has just been one big wipeout. So it's been really a, a devastating period. And I will never stop saying that the politicians played a huge role in that. If they had only cared about their constituents as much as they do about getting ahead and making money and holding on to their status, uh, so so many of us would be so much better off. And I, I do want to also reiterate that I do make a distinction, a very much a distinction between elected officials that are politicians and elected officials that are public servants, because I do think that there are people who have been elected and they're good people. 
and they're trying to do the best that they can. And quite honestly, I feel like they've been picking up the slack uh, for a lot of other elected officials that really, quite frankly, have no business being in office. Um, So there's very much for me a distinction between uh, the elected officials, the office holders who are politicians, and they look at people as either a means to an end or an enemy, <laughs> as a Nietzsche, um, paraphrasing Nietzsche, uh, or, you know, the, the, the public servants, people who, um, or should I say, and the public servants, you know, and or, uh, you know, the other group class of elected officials that realize, that understand that they're serving the people, that their power, their authority derives from the people. Uh, so let's, let's, uh, let's recap. So as I started to say, uh, you or and I can make this impersonal, an individual, uh, you know, even if he or she lives in Boston, it's been difficult to follow along, uh, quite honestly, because a lot of journalists, unfortunately, have not been doing their job. Uh, they have been really kind of acting as partisan observers, even in some instances as partisan participants. And it's, it's I, I can't think of a time in recent history where journal the the role of a journalist has been more important because this pandemic has affected people. Um, there was obviously the threat to our physical health, and and you know I want to say that I have never taken COVID. You know I've never uh, taken it lightly, um, but my my problem right now, as I said in the last show, has been that the vaccine should not be a mandate. It should be a choice because there's more than one path that people can take to keep themselves healthy, but also, and this is just as important given that it's a pandemic, um, keep others healthy. So, Okay, so let's 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 go back. Let me let me try to finish the point, the initial point that I was that I was trying to make. Um, it's been hard to kind of follow along, and the journalists have made it more difficult. The politicians have made it nearly impossible, and any hope of understanding it, people maybe look to journalists. But as I said, uh, many journalists they're acting as activists with with laptops and we we can't have that and i think that it's time not only really quite frankly to hold politicians accountable um, but it's also important to hold journalists accountable i mean i I understand that necessarily there there's going to be um, some slant some bias but it's it's gotten to the point where the truth or another point of view, or any semblance of objectivity, it's just, it's, it's almost non-existent. 
for a lot of these reporters. And, and that needs that really, really does need to be addressed. And it's kind of ironic because I've been in independent media now since 2008. So it's been it's been quite a while. And for the longest time, I would not call myself and I've said this before, I, you know, I would not call myself a journalist, uh, you know, a TV host, a radio host, none of that, because I just said to myself, look, I, I don't want to come across as some kind of fraud. I, I mean, I trained, my background is in the legal profession, so I trained as a barrister. Um, I've worked for a number of years as an, you know, in education. And so for me, it was a matter of respecting the work that that journalists do to get you know their credentials um but then here i am so many years later and and after like probably like four or five years i started calling myself you know an independent independent journalist a freelance writer a freelance journalist um but here i am uh, so many years later and and i kind of laugh because people who have gotten the training who know better, who know that they need to show uh, not a semblance of, but actually be objective, and they're not doing it. And, and it's they who dishonor the profession, not someone like me who doesn't have a background in this field and just got involved and, and just worked at her craft. So it's, it's just, it's really kind of um, a little bit ironic, but it's also... Uh, a little bit sad. So um, to recap, to kind of cut through the noise, um, as I said last week, an appellate judge blocked Michelle Wu's, Mayor Wu's uh, Boston employee vaccine mandate, and an injunction was ordered. And then on Friday, February 18th, uh, Mayor Wu's city's, the, the, the city of Boston's uh, be together policy. Uh, and that was what actually required uh, customers and staff of certain uh, indoor establishments uh, to show proof of vaccination against COVID. Well, that be together policy, it was lifted effective immediately. Now, as I said, uh, the Boston First Responders United um, that's led by uh, Sergeant Contone. Uh, that group has been really, has really been at the forefront of this fight. And I did not hesitate last week uh, to put respect, to give credit where it's due to Sergeant Contone, to the other members of uh, the Boston First Responders United. I also, uh, you know, praise uh, Lou Murray. He is uh, a local activist here in Boston. And, uh, you know, there are others, too, that I will praise because this, the idea that people would actually rise up and say, no, you are going to listen to us. You will listen to us. I think that that is something that really kind of has taken a lot of the political establishment aback. And I, I understand why. I understand why, because 
really, it's in Massachusetts. If you're not from Massachusetts and you're listening to me right now, uh, and I will say again, this is Rachel Meiselman, Bostonian rap. Uh, you're listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. Got to get that in there. Uh, just want people to know who and what they're listening to. Um, but if you're not from Massachusetts, to really understand what's going on here, you really have to kind of sit down and just really kick off your shoes, put, the, uh, put your feet up, and just really have a listen. Because I, I got to tell you, years and years ago, I thought that when I thought corruption, I'm going to be honest with you, I thought, you know, countries in certain parts of the world where, quite frankly, there were tremendous schisms between the haves and the have-nots. Uh, you didn't really have much of a middle class, I mean, if any. And it was basically the very wealthy and the poor. And the leaders were remarkably corrupt. They were open to bribes. And, and, and there were all kinds of other sordid stories that I would hear about. And I would say, well, gee, we don't have anything like that here in America. And now here I am, a 50-year-old woman, and I, I very much stand corrected because it is very corrupt here. And I'm not supposed to say that. But then, uh, as an adult, and, and, I, and for those who grew up with me here in Boston, uh, they know that as a kid, as a teenager, uh, I was no different. You know, as, as a you know, child, I was, you know, I was always saying things, and people just kind of looked at me like, I can't believe you said that. So <laughs> this has just been something that this is just, one of my hallmarks, uh, this, uh, I don't know if you can say candor, because I don't think that's really, I don't even really think that begins to cover it. Um, but I feel like in being, shall we say, very frank, some people would argue brutally frank, I feel more at ease. And, and I don't look to be rude. I don't look to be disrespectful. But I want people to know where I stand. And then in return, I expect to know the same thing. And I will say again, it's, it's, it's corrupt here. It's corrupt. Uh, you know, when you see people who are holding positions and then you look at their resumes and they have no qualifications for them, for these positions, you know, how else are they getting them? Cronyism. And I consider cronyism a form of corruption. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand. And I, and I, I you know, there, there's one thing also about me that you need to know. It's not just the, the frankness. There's also, it's the consistency. I don't flip-flop. I don't pander. My goodness, goodness knows if I did, um, <laughs> my life probably would have been made considerably easier. But I'm, I'm fairly consistent. So it's not like you're going to tune in on one show to Bostonian rap and hear, you know, statement X, and then you're going to hear the, uh, you know, the complete opposite two weeks later, you know, a complete, you know, 
turn a turn around, a complete, you know, 180. Um, that's that's not what I do. Uh, you know, cronyism is. It may not seem like a big deal, but it is. It is a big deal. And, and we we've seen that particularly during the pandemic when we need when we needed things to operate and function well, and we just didn't see it. Why? Because we had people in positions of power that didn't know what they were doing. And so it's always been an issue, but when you have a crisis situation, it becomes that much more apparent. And so, you know, as I started to say, I, I think that You know, giving people jobs to to people whom you know, you know, say we're talking about politician X. I can understand instead of saying you, I'll say politician X. Okay, why don't we do that? <laughs> and you know, so politician X, politician X gives out jobs to people whom he knows. I'm actually okay with that. I understand that. Um, you want people that are going to be loyal. I understand the concept of, okay, you did this for me. I'm going to do something for you. I do. I mean, it's not foreign to me. Um, I understand, um, you know, the idea that you want people that are going to agree with you to a certain extent because to get something done, you can't be fighting you can't, there can't be a constant battle with people around you. So I get all that. But my thing is, these people that are getting the jobs, the, the people who are on the receiving end of politician X's generosity, these people need to be able to do those jobs. And that's not what we have. And we have people then who sit in positions, they get a position because they know somebody, because they donated money, because they're, you know, they're the neighbor who lives two doors down, because, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's a million and one reasons, right? I could, you know, I could tick through, you know, I could tick through them all, really. Um, You know, back to back to back to back shows, I could just, you know, go through all the reasons. And then I might end up still missing a few. But the point is, is that people are getting jobs that they're not qualified for. And it hurts. It hurts the rest of us. It, it really does. And these people, they stay in positions then they then they stay there or they move around. They get promoted. Right. Because as long as they stay in the good graces of the person or the people that gave them the job, they don't even have to worry about performing well. Can you imagine? And so they move around. And then like five, ten years later, oh, okay, well, these people are experts. Well, no, they're not experts. If they weren't an expert walking into the door, and at no point they were they held accountable or needed to be uh, good on the job, how is it then that they become an expert? After five to 10 years. No, it just means that they've been in the good graces of politician X uh, and and or his or her successors for the last five to 10 years. 
And that's what's happened in Massachusetts. That kind of situation has multiplied. And so when we wonder why things don't work, why we pick up the phone and call people and we leave a message and no one returns the call, or when we send emails and they're ignored, or when we go down to a, a place uh, to talk to someone and we get stonewalled, even, you know, a person, sometimes people won't even come out and talk to you. I, I've, I've experienced that. This is because people don't want to be held accountable. And they have become experts at not being held accountable. In fact, that's what they're getting paid for. They're getting paid for not being held accountable. And of course, just doing whatever politician X wants. And so here we have uh, now a situation in Boston. Um, <laughs> and it's just, I, I mean, quite frankly, I think, I think that uh, the city is being run very poorly. I think that we have a real paucity of ideas. It's, it's really, it's frustrating to me because I, I see so much talent. It's, it's just, it's, un, it's unreal. Like when I walk outside, when I interact with different people, there are so many interesting stories I hear. I hear about so much potential. I, I, I hear uh, such potential, right? I listen to people and I look at them and I say, wow, this person could do this, that person could do that. And it's just, it's, it's so impressive. And I'm always amazed or uh, surprised, happily, no, I shouldn't say surprised because no, it's not surprised. Um, but yeah, amazed and impressed. Yeah. So amazed and impressed. And I, I see that those people are not getting opportunities. That's what I see. And I see that those people, even worse, they're, you know, they have to fight um, for just the necessities or they have to fight uh, for their civil liberties to be protected. And, and, and for anyone who thinks that I'm kind of being over the top or ranting, um, we're kind of, you know, a little bit off base here. Look at this. A lot of people are leaving Massachusetts. A lot of people are leaving Massachusetts. And I can't say I blame them. I mean, this is home. I'm not going anywhere. But I'm not going to disparage someone who decides that it's not worth fighting everything all the time, every day and every night here. Um, Massachusetts, Boston, um, it, you know, this has become a very difficult city in which to live. Massachusetts has become a very difficult state in which to live. Really. Uh, it, it shouldn't be so hard to enjoy a quality, a certain quality of life. And under no circumstances should people have to fight for their liberties to be, civil liberties to be uh, upheld. And so, of course, that's what's been going on with um, Michelle, I mean, since Michelle Wu has been elected. It's just, it's, 
and it's not even just so much civil liberties, although obviously that that that's something that is 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 fundamental, right? That's that. I mean, without civil liberties, I mean, what 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 kind of life can we have? What kind of life can we expect to have? But it's um, it's it's just. It's just everything. It's it's a lack of respect. There's a real lack of respect coming from um, Mayor Wu. And I don't say that to pile on. I don't say that um, to be aggressive. But it's just I don't know how else to frame or describe the behavior that she has engaged in since her election, uh, since being sworn in, since being sworn in as mayor. Um, again, her be-together policy was a dreadful idea. It was, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't understand what it was all about. I don't think it was about safety. Um, I think more than anything, it was about control. And again, I'm probably not supposed to say that, but I say a lot of things that I'm not supposed to say. Um, but I think that, you know, America in general, we love to talk, right? America, we love to talk. The problem is, is that three quarters of the time, we never say anything worth listening to. And I think that, in a city like Boston, where the economy is education-based, and we have all these universities, and we have this phenomenal, unbelievable legacy of people that just said, uh, that have said throughout history, enough, and, and these great thinkers, I, I just, I can't believe that as bad as things are in Boston, that we can't just say, we need to have a frank discussion. No, but I mean a really frank discussion. So, again, the Be, to, be Together policy, my objection to that is I, I don't think it was well thought out. I don't think that it took into consideration businesses that already have been badly, badly battered uh, during the pandemic. I think that it didn't take into consideration, it, not even that it didn't take into consideration, but it was a policy that was crafted by individuals that just didn't care about how people would feel about showing proof of vaccination, about how people would Care or how people would feel about being compelled to show proof of vaccination. So there's that. Um, the mandate for the vaccine mandate for uh, Boston's employees, um, again, for me, not only, again, I am against a mandate just because there's more than one path to. Um, keeping every, you know, for individuals to keep themse themselves safe as well as others. But I'm very pro-labor. I'm very much pro-labor. 
Um, I have said repeatedly that I'm union born and fed. So I, <laughs> I, I just, I can't, I'm not prepared to tolerate an elected official, especially a mayor. And, and, you know, Boston and in Boston, the people, people need to understand is that the mayor is particularly powerful. I mean, don't get me wrong. The city council does have a the city council is not powerless, as some people try to argue. Trust me, it's not. It's not. I, I think that the city council is actually quite powerful as well. The problem is, is we don't have enough people at present on the city council that know how to wield the power of the council. And we don't have enough people who, quite frankly, um, understand what it means to be a city councilor. And, but that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's something that I can uh, go into, delve into uh, at greater length, in, uh, you know, in greater detail at another point in time. Um, but the city council is actually quite powerful. Um, but, of course, the mayor uh, of Boston is famously powerful. And it's, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I think that, I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know what quite what Michelle uh, was thinking, why she thought that Mayor Wu, Michelle Wu, I, I don't know quite what she expected the result to be, but it's when you when you put when you when you put a mandate in place, or it could have been anything really. But when you when you have an agreement in place with unions, and Boston's a big union town, and even if it weren't, still, um, but if you then turn around and jettison the agreements. I mean, she just, she just trampled all over the memoranda. I, I just, <laughs> where does that leave us? And I mean, if I have to say this on every show for the rest of the year, for the rest of the time that I do Bostonian rap, I have no problem with that because it's unions are important. We need unions. You like your eight-hour workday. You like that you get breaks. You, you like that you work in a safe environment. You like that if you don't have, you know, if you're not, if you're working more than an eight-hour day and you're not getting a sufficient amount of breaks, if you're not being treated with dignity, if if you're not working in a safe environment, you have recourse. Okay, that that's there. There is recourse. So, I mean, basically, if you don't like unions, then you don't need to enjoy <laughs> the eight-hour workdays, those breaks, et cetera, et cetera. Now, of course, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I have to always, I mean, I'm, I'm very blunt, right, or very frank, I'm candid. Um, but at the same time, I always, I always do have to measure my words because, you know, people are, are going to try to take what I say and 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 uh, claim that I am in fact saying what I didn't say. I'm not saying that people there's anyone out there who deserves to work in an environment where his or her physical 
our emotional, mental safety is not uh, assured. Uh, I'm not saying that. What I'm just trying to say is that there's a need for unions and that unions have done things historically that allow all of us as workers, regardless of the type of work that we do, to work with dignity. And we have seen throughout the pandemic that people have not been treated well. So I can give, you know, examples of, you know, some industries where people were hailed as heroes because they were going to work and in going to work that allowed the rest of us to survive, right? But at the same time, while these people were being given kudos they were also making wages that were, quite frankly, deplorable. And just speaking more broadly, there are a number of places that they'll complain that they don't have workers, that they can't find workers, but then they don't want to treat them. They don't want to pay them a decent wage. They don't want to give them benefits, uh, you know, good benefits. They don't want to give them a chance to learn different things. So it's, I mean, I appreciate that not every job um, should be paying $75,000 a year, $100,000 a year, $200,000 a year. I get all that. And I also, you know, understand that, you know, minimum wage, while it should be, it, it should be decent. Um, we can't pay people $30, you know, as a minimum wage. I, I understand. I get all that. Um, but the respect has to be in place. People have to be valued. And it's so funny because talking, speaking of business, when I ran for office, I had so many of my ideas. This was, this was like, it was like, this was a swift kick in the pants. People didn't want to acknowledge my run, but everyone was paying attention. And so that was 2020. And so in 2021, when we had all these municipal races here in Boston, I heard a lot of my ideas <laughs> being recycled. Um, and I was like, wow, that, that's, 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 that's quite something. <laughs> of course, I didn't say, I, I didn't put it quite so diplomatically, um, but you know, I, I just, I remember hearing more than one of my ideas being used, um, chunks of my platform being used. And I said to myself, my goodness gracious, isn't that something? Um, but what's interesting is one idea that I still very much believe in. And I think it's, it's really, uh, it, it, it's an idea that holds the key to really changing things. And interestingly, no politician has touched it. And I'm not surprised is treating constituents like a business. So I just, uh, you know, treating constituents like employees, you know, treating your job uh, as an office holder as if you were running a business, right? And so I just got through talking about how all these different businesses, they don't want to respect their employees. Well, Let's go back to the example of Michelle Wu. Um, Michelle Wu does not want to respect um, 
who are constituents, right? Um, but let, let's think about a business. Let's think about how that would work. Okay, so, you know, a business, they're, you know, when they interact with their customers, there's the customer bill of rights. But then, but then for the employees, you know, well, in principle, uh, there, there should be, there should be some kind of uh, mechanism uh, for management to be held accountable. There should be um, some kind of acknowledgement of, of how um, people should be treated and there should be um, some, it, it should be clear, it should be visible, right? It should be, it should be main, made known to the employee um, what he or she can expect, not only from his role, but also from management. And so if we kind of take those principles, how a business person interacts um, with his staff and how he interacts with his customers and vendors, and we take that and we put that into, you know, we put those ideas and concepts, we drop them into the political world and see how that works, I think it would make a big difference. I really do. And I think that, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that I've worked in education for a number of years. And one of the things that I've taught over the years, um, I taught, I've taught a number of business classes. And one concept I always, you know, stressed was respect. Respect. Um, because respect will keep customers coming back, but it will also help with employee retention, right? It, it helps, you know, and you have the same employees that too helps keep customers coming back because, you know, the employees, same employees, they're there for a certain length of time and they get to know the customer's relationships are built. Respect is so important. And so let's see how that works in the political arena. Now, I remember putting up not too, not too long ago something about Michelle Wu and saying, you know, imagine how different things would have been these last few weeks if she only had listened. And of course, that's part of respect, too. And that's what this is. This is this is what's driving so much of the anger and frustration of of people. And I I, I got to tell you, if there if if members of the political establishment believe that you know after we we make that shift from pandemic to and start talking about endemic, and we really do need to start looking at such a conversation and and you know how 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 we make that shift in the language, the vernacular that we use, we do need to at least start considering it. We really, really, really do. Um, we can't be in a situation where we're in perpetual lockdown one way, shape, form or another. it's 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 time to it's time to pivot. It really is. Um, but listening. And respect. Imagine if 
Michelle had just respected the memoranda that was in place before she got sworn in. Imagine if she had just respected that. Imagine if she had listened to all these different businesses where people were, were pleading with her because they want to survive. It's not just being able to pay their employees. Of course, that's they want to do that. They want to keep their employees, but they want to keep their business. They want to be able to feed their families. <laughs> they want to be able to keep a roof over their heads. If she had only listened, I mean, and, and that's what it is. It's basic respect. So if people think, well, there's, you know, we're going to go just back to the way it was. No, I, th I think that there's an awareness now. And I think that Americans are funny people. And that uh, funny, I, I don't mean funny, like, oh, they're so strange. Um, it's, you know, it's just a turn of phrase. What I mean, uh, Americans are interesting people. Uh, speaking generally, um, and I think Bostonians in particular are very interesting people. And I think that, broadly speaking, when you start messing around with someone's bottom line, people are going to start getting aggressive. And I get it. I get it. Now, I'm not advocating for people to be um, difficult or aggressive, aggressive in a way that's counterproductive or hostile or engage in activity um, that is antisocial or illegal. No one's suggesting that. No one is. I'm certainly not suggesting that. Um, but, I, you know, I, I understand when people get upset. And I understand when people then take to the streets peacefully to make their voices heard. I, I get that. I understand that because you can't mess with people's bottom line. You can't be cavalier about other people's bottom line. You just, you can't. There's that. And then civil liberties, it's, it's amazing because I think a lot of people who don't agree with the people who, who have objected to Mayor Wu's actions in regard to the to the pandemic in in regard to uh, covid um i don't think they are i think they're will being willfully blind i think they're deliberately not really listening to what people are trying to say um but hopefully you listeners are <laughs> trying to process everything i'm trying to say and I know that I've kind of thrown out a lot. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more. Um, as always, it's so much fun to hang out with you. Uh, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and you've been listening to me uh, on Bostonian Rap. And this station is WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station.
If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. All of us love sports, but not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. Massachusetts High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association and the Massachusetts Secondary Schools Athletic Directors Association. Potential is everywhere. It's in every child in every community. Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts works to transform communities by empowering, defending, and igniting the potential of youth across Eastern Massachusetts, ensuring every child has the support from caring adults that they need for healthy development and success in life. Big Brothers Big Sisters fosters one-to-one -one mentoring relationships between child and adult, helping the youth in our communities achieve their fullest potential. But at any given moment, there are hundreds of children in our region in need of a caring adult role model. Do you have what it takes to become a defender of potential? You can learn more at massbaybigs.org. Welcome back to Bostonian Rap. You are listening to me, Rachel Meiselman, on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. So before we went to break, we talked about respect, respect and how important it is. And I really, I just, I, I really see big change coming. I really do. And I think that I, I try to be positive even when I don't feel like it, <laughs> even when I don't necessarily see too many reasons to be positive. Um, I try to remain as such. Um, optimism i think is i think it's it's a good thing it's a good thing to hold on to um but i think here in this particular context i do think that there's reason to be hopeful um notwithstanding all the devastation physically mentally emotionally financially that has been caused during this pandemic um i see people taking better care of themselves. And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm just talking about all around. And I see people doing a better job at standing up for themselves and articulating more strongly and more clearly what they expect 
and what they need. And I think that that is very, very important. And I think that transparency and accountability are going to become really two twin, um, shall we say, what can I say, um, bedrocks. <laughs> it's just, is there transparency? Is there accountability? I mean, that's, that's what people really are going to be looking at. Um, and, and we, but, you know, we, and we see it because it's, you know, in addition to people being upset about Michelle Wu's lack of respect. Now, some people might say, well, I think Michelle's delightful. I think she's wonderful. She's been on the receiving end of incredible vitriol. And, 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 you know, and I say this because I do listen to what other people are saying. I don't agree with that stance, but I listen to it. I listen, you know, I take it in. Um, but I mean, it, it really is. It's, it's, it comes down to a lack of respect. It's, I mean, as an elected official, it's not for you to rule over your constituents. You work on behalf of your constituents. And I don't care what your title is, mayor. Governor, state rep, state senator, register of probate, register of deeds. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. If, you, if you're holding public office, president, vice president, U.S. senator, U.S. representative, I mean, it, it doesn't really matter. If you're holding public office, you're working on behalf of a constituency. That's it. And, and it's, it's just your door figuratively literally figuratively it always has to be open that's 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 part of what being uh, a holder of public office entails um but i think that you know also there there are issues around and i think that this could be possibly um i i think that this is is an issue of respect uh, uh kind of um, derivative of a lack of respect when you don't have the transparency and the accountability. Because if you respect your constituents, you expect for them to hold you accountable. And, 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 and first and foremost, what you do, your, how you function, how you move, all of that's going to be transparent. Excuse me. And so we see an increasing amount of people who are they're they're complaining because they can't get information. They, you know, regardless of what they've been uh, they've tried to do, um, they haven't been able to get an answer about this, or they haven't, um, you know, they haven't had much luck in getting um, answers to their queries or. It's just, it's just, it's a great number of things, um, but there's just really no transparency and accountability. It, it just, it, it, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. And again, it's, someone could, you know, very easily, because people can argue and say anything. So that's why I say very easy, you know, someone could very easily argue otherwise, but this is the thing. At this point in time, 
as an office holder, a public office holder, I can't think of, I mean, people are not going to let any office, public office holder get away with not being accessible and not answering questions. I mean, again, it's, it, this is, the, the pandemic has, if there's any silver lining, it's, it's what I said, that people, um, they want to take better care of themselves. And rather than leave it to the public officials, uh, elected officials to advocate on their behalf, they're advocating on their behalf. And, and, and it's just, we're not going to go back to, at least I don't foresee it in the, in the near future, I don't see people going back to uh, this kind of lull where they're, where they're, you know, the proverbial asleep at the wheel. I don't, I don't see that. So I started talking about, um, excuse me, <coughs> forgive me, all this talking, this is what happens. <laughs> um, I started talking at the top of the show about the Boston First Respond- uh, Responders United. And so um, before we close out, uh, we're going to go take another quick break, but I'm going to talk about some more things that they're going to do and some other things that people um, are planning to do. Because I think that, again, this is just so that people understand what's going on. They understand the narrative. And I think that there's a lot of competing information there are a lot of dueling narratives, so to speak. And so I think that this will be helpful so that people can kind of sift through all the information and, and decide for themselves what to think. Um, so we're going to go on another quick break, and then we're going to close out by talking. Uh, we're going to talk about um, some of the initiatives uh, that are, are, are going to be uh, put in place, are, are set in motion. Uh, it kind of like how we open the show. All right. So I, like I said, first that quick break. Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. <sighs> Crispy. Blazed. Toasty, faded, lit. No matter what you call it, if you're high, you're too high to drive. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. I am Rachel Meiselman. So, initiatives, you know, activity. So, you know, I kind of, I didn't actually enumerate anything, but I did say that uh, the Boston First Responders United, um, they have, you know, galvanized a lot of people um, to act, I think, responsibly um, to really fight for their rights, to, to, to stand up uh, for their civil liberties. Now, I'm, you know, as always, if people want to disagree, if people have really, you know, they believe something different, reach out. I'm here, <laughs> um, but I 
you know, just like last week, uh, this week, I will continue to applaud uh, what this group is doing because I think that, I think what is also going to derive from their all their actions is that people are going to, are going to start having that frank discussion that I alluded to uh, earlier in the show that really needs to take place. And I think that uh, that frank discussion is going to, it is going to happen, and then it's going to go off in so many different directions. And in this, and it's, it's, it's needed. It really, truly is needed. Um, I know that, you know, this group is going to continue. There are other things that not only this group, but others are also um, not happy about. Um, and that's uh, the masks, and particularly masks of, of children. Um, the idea is to, um, to stand up and advocate for making that um, become something that is optional, masking, um, and to unmask our children and to um, really kind of shepherd um, all of us back into this, I think, uh, kind of um, new phase of, of normalcy. I mean, we can't say, oh, what it was like pre-pandemic because I think that things have changed so much um, and I think people's attitudes and awareness has changed a lot, uh, sense of awareness. But um, the, 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 there's going to be more. People are going to be asking more. They're going to be wanting more. And they're going to be needing more. Um, but on that note, I have to say goodbye. Uh, that's all we have time for. It always goes by so fast. Um, but I do want um, I do want people to pay attention um, and really listen to both sides. And uh, above all, um, I want people to hold um, our our elected officials accountable because I think that that's really the key to preventing um, any kind of, uh, any more uh, devastation or upset or dismay. It, there's got to be some kind of level of transparency and accountability. All right, so there I am signing off. Bye-bye for now. Rachel Meisleman, you've been listening to Bostonian Rap. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.